Welcome to the Austin Parks Cast from your friends at Austin Parks Foundation. Join us for conversations that'll give you an inside look at Austin's outdoor spaces. We'll meet you outside. Meet me outside. Meet me outside, my dear. I want to be Welcome back to the Austin Parks Cast. Today, we're excited to share conversations with two of our 2021 Golden Shovel Award winners. But first, here's a word from our presenting sponsor. The Austin Parks Cast is presented by Cirrus Logic. Cirrus Logic provides innovative, high-performance signal processing products that rock. Learn how their hardware and software solutions elevate consumer experiences at Cirrus.com. And we're back. Today, you'll hear interviews with two of our 2021 Golden Shovel Award winners. Each year, these awards are given to people and organizations that have made a big impact on Austin's parks. We recognize our winners at Party for the Parks, our biggest fundraising event of the year. This year, we gathered in Zilker Park in between weekends one and two of ACL Music Festival for a night of fun and fundraising for the parks. Guests enjoyed great food, drinks, and friends, as well as an electrifying performance by Austin's own Black Pumas. Thank you to everyone who joined us in person and tuned into the live stream at home. We'd also like to give a huge shout out to everyone that made this year's event our biggest and most successful yet. This includes our wonderful sponsors, partners, and friends. Thanks, y'all. It means the world to us. You can learn more about Party for the Parks at party.austinparks.org. And without further ado, I'll hand it off to Kathleen to introduce our guests and kick off our interviews. Take it away, Kathleen. Welcome to the Austin Parks Cast. It's that time of year when we are gearing up for our annual fundraiser, Party for the Parks. Each year, we honor individual park adopters, park adopter teams, or neighborhood groups, and community partners who have made a big difference in our parks with the Golden Shovel Award. Today, I'm happy to be talking with my friend Chuck, who is a park adopter at Springwoods Neighborhood Park, is a part-time project leader for APF, and an all-around amazing park champion. He's being honored with the Golden Shovel Award for Park Adopter of the Year. Thank you for talking with me today, Chuck. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, well, first things first, I'd love to just know how long have you been involved at Springwoods? Uh, I've been at Springwoods Park for uh, five years. I think September marks uh, my fifth year as uh, a park adopter at Springwoods Park. Awesome. Five years. Has it gone by fast? <laughs> it has. You know, I, you know, you look up and Next thing you know, you've been there five years, 10 years, and it's been, it's been great. I, I enjoy it every year, um, you know, meeting a lot of new people and uh, just getting to ingratiate myself into the community. Yeah, absolutely. So what drew you to becoming um, a steward and advocate for this park space? Uh, it's it's kind of like, a, I guess, maybe a two-part, three-part type of deal, I want to say. Um, uh, 20, 2016, I had moved. Uh, to an apartment complex that uh, bordered, it was kind of adjacent to the park because the park kind of sits in, in, a, in a neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, by residential and, and um, you know, multifamily. And so one of the parks was, they gave us a key to be able to go through the gate to get to the park, which is like right there. And so, um, you know, that just being able to get out there, seeing all the trees and um, just how it sat in the community all the different types of people, the diversity, that really drew me um, just 
to the park in general. And then um, before that, I was when I was in working as a city planner in the city of Pflugerville, um, I would attend these um, these education series that the Austin Parks Foundation used to put on, uh, hosted by former volunteer manager, manager uh, Bill Stout. And so him and I got pretty close. Um, you know, he would just help me out with certain things, you know, in regards to trails and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, he would host a few of his education, uh, education series at Springwoods Park. So I would go attend those. And then um, he's like, hey, you know, would you like to adopt this park? I was like, I can do that. Like I can, <laughs> like, I can actually do something like that. Or I can, he's like, sure. Yeah, we have this uh, program through the Parks Foundation that would allow you to, you know, champion for this park and, you know, we'll provide you with materials and things like that. And so that's how it kind of got started for me. And so I took on the responsibility and the task and haven't looked back since then. That's cool. I forgot that Bill was the first one that you met with the Pies, I think it was called Pies Series. Pies, yeah, yeah. Uh, park, park Improvement Education Series. Yeah. That's right, that's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Springwoods is such a great spot for it because you have all those beautiful trees. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a very unique park, it has so many beautiful trees. And um, just when I was there recently, it was action-packed. There were so many people there doing mm-hmm. all kinds of different things. Oh, sure, yeah. We've. I mean, we've, we've had... Camp Gladiator out there out there every morning. We have a um, a mom's group that comes out there with their kids every morning, working out, exercising. We have uh, all types of you know racial backgrounds out there doing parties every weekend. It's just amazing, and I'm just kind of like a fly on the wall most of the time. I just go out there, walk around, and, and wave my hand and say hi to people and just have a good time. Yeah, so, and take it all in. Yeah. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the latest project at your park, um, which you received an ACL community grant for uh, this past spring? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I was awarded uh, a community grant, I believe, right, uh, for uh, to get an information kiosk at uh, Springwoods Park. I thought that was pretty important since we do have a lot of different um, groups out there that are uh, participating and doing type of events out there. So I want to keep the neighborhood of Springwoods and all over Austin, keep them aware of what's going on um, in, you know, at Springwoods Park. And so uh, I felt like that was probably like the most important thing to do, uh, you know, in regards to park improvements at Springwoods Park. Yeah, it's a great way to kind of keep people in the loop, really sort of have a central place for people to get information and kind of foster that community spirit. Yeah, sure thing. And plus also too, there was people uh, posting um, pictures of uh, lost dogs and lost cats and stuff like this. So I was like, you know what, let's put that, let's find a home instead yeah. of putting it inside the bathroom and things like that. So maybe we could put it in the information kiosk and, you know, that would draw more attention right there or something Definitely. like that. So Yeah, it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you became involved with APF as a project leader? Uh, sure. You know, actually, I, I got the phone call from you. Uh, about uh, helping out as a project leader. Um, you know, I, I think it was just a great opportunity to um, become more ingratiated into the Alton Parks Foundation family. And mm-hmm. so um, when I was informed about it, I definitely took upon it. Um, and it's been great. I mean, <clears throat> we had 291 parks in Austin and I haven't been to all of them yet, but, you know, I've been able to help out um, lead projects in most parks in Austin, you know, and 
um, being around um, so many different organizations that help keep us going and they've been able to help lend a hand in parts and things like that. So um, being a volunteer project leader has been like at the forefront of my week of getting prepared and for work and things like that. So I enjoy it a lot. Um, I enjoy working with uh, our, our volunteer manager, Barry. He's, that's my guy. Uh, yeah. Kind of go by like the music. We all call yourselves. Uh, Chuck Berry. <laughs> so, you know, it, that's kind of cool for us. You know, uh, we had like a little rock star tandem thing we got going. So I enjoy working <laughs> with that guy and love him, man. He's a great guy. Yeah, he is great. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just so our listeners know, Chuck has been a project leader since what, 2018? Mm-hmm. and um, has done so many projects all over town. I mean, every corner of Austin. Sure, um, yeah. He's just done a fabulous job, and we always hear so many great things from volunteers and um, you know, corporate groups, and um, mm-hmm. everyone who works with you always has such wonderful things to say about you as a project leader. So oh, thank we you. hope you never, ever leave. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. Any, anytime there's a park project, I'll be there for it. So... I enjoy it. I love being outside. That's probably the main thing too, you know, so yeah. I, I, I love it. It's definitely a good job for people who like being outside. Yeah, uh, so, you know, during the, summer, during the summertime, that's when it gets kind of wicked. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly less pleasant in the summer, but, yeah. you know, those spring projects, man, there's really nothing better. No. Um, speaking of outside, um, how has your experience in parks influenced your interest in professional development? Um, curious mostly like I know you've done the master naturalist stuff can you tell us more about that are you officially a master naturalist yet or are you still in the program I can't remember well I, I have uh finished my in-class duties oh gotcha and so yeah. now my next step is just to make sure that I get my hours I have to get like 40 hours a, a year to maintain my master naturalist um tag or whatnot so yeah cool. um but you know that's what the the it was being in the parks, being with Austin Parks Foundation, that would kickstart everything for me, mm-hmm. becoming a master naturalist and to further my career development. Um, we have a couple guys that we work with. I call them the, the three stooges. Uh, it's Malcolm, Jerry, and uh, Mike. And uh, <laughs> they're, you know, they're, our, they're the elder statesmen of our volunteers. I love working <laughs> with those guys. And in. so... They're, uh, they're, I believe they're master naturalists as well. So, you know, I'm always picking their brains and things like that. So um, I felt like being an, an outdoorsman and being involved in parks, especially as a volunteer project leader, people have questions, you know, and, and they want to know about oh, what type of tree is that? What type of plant is that? Or, you know, how to, how do you design these trails and all types of stuff like that. You get in nature, you just get you just want to know more, especially being outside in the parks. And so I felt like that was one of my next steps in becoming a better volunteer project leader for the Austin Parks Foundation. And then just as in my general career development. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Matt, those three guys kind of gave me information about the Texas Master Naturalist Program. And so um, I work in the chapter called Capital Area Master Naturalist CAM. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which is, has opened the doors to other organizations that I work with as well as well as West Cave Conservancy, uh, Keep Awesome Beautiful, which works with us a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, Tree Folks, all those guys. And yeah. so it's, it's been a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. We have so many great partners in Austin that are doing really important work and kind of um, there's so much to do and there's not enough people to do it. So it's really, it's, it's always really a wonderful opportunity to get to know all those different partners and kind of learn about what they do, kind of their specialty. And so I'm glad that you've had that opportunity. Yeah, it's been great. Um, so what kind of words, just as a, before we sign off, you know, what words of advice do you have for neighbors or community members who might like to get involved at their neighborhood park? People like you that maybe didn't know about the Adopt Park program, maybe now they're learning about it. What would you, what kind of advice would you give them if they want to make an impact in their park? Oh, wow. There's so many, so many uh, words of advice I could give people, but I would tell them to, you know, just reach out, you know, if, you, if you're curious, you know, if you see something in the parks, if you want to just become more involved, um, just, it's easy to jump on Google and type in parks, Austin, and you probably can find us, you know, and you can reach out to any of our amazing staff that we do have. And if you happen to be at a park event, it's my park day or open work day, and you see me or Barry there, and just ask us, you know, we're always going to provide the information for at the beginning of any project that we do. Mm-hmm. And so I would just tell them to just reach out to us. We can always get you set up and taken care of. And, um, and it's really important to, to really give back to the parks that take care of us as well, you know, and there's so many um, great things that parks give us, you know, from peace of mind to exercise and things like that. So um again yeah just reach out awesomeparks.org and or you can find us on facebook instagram if you need to find me i'll be somewhere at a project so you'll see me there (laughs) i'm usually the biggest guy out there so i'm not i'm not not hard to miss (laughs) identify yeah Yeah, well i appreciate the plug um because Mm -hmm. you're right there are we have tons of resources online and um we work really hard to connect people to what they need to be successful right and so, that's, oh, okay. and, and, and just kind of last, like hey, I was, yeah. I reached out to all of the people that helped me with the community grant, mm-hmm. and um, and I went and shot them a small email, and I said thank you. I said your small interaction involvement has taken a long way, you yeah. know, and it has gotten us to be able to get the kiosk and hopefully more things at Springwoods Park. So um, that was just just by doing a survey helped out yeah. a lot. So. Well, and you're, you're also touching on an important point, which is when people do get involved and you're the park adopter, it's really important to thank people and encourage them. And, you know, the more that they feel like they're helping and making an impact, the more involved they'll get. And it's really important to always thank your donors and thank just community yes. people who are engaged in the community. Um, you know, it's not always easy. And a lot of times people who get involved um, may feel sometimes like they're like a one-man show. Um, but, you know, in order to, to, to kind of keep things moving, it's important to really stay connected to the community. So that's correct. Get that advice. That's right. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for, for being with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I know uh, today you had like hours of projects at Walnut Creek Metro Park. I mean, the, the fun never ends. So I appreciate you taking the time after a long hot day out in the parks and we really look forward to honoring you in person at party for the parks um very soon 
Um, and for our listeners to get involved at your local park or learn more about our grants and other resources that Chuck kind of talked about, you can visit www.austinparks.org and click on Improve Parks. Thanks, everyone. Hey, everybody. We'll dive into our next interview with Andrea from the Friends of Little Walnut Creek Greenbelt right after this word from our sponsors. Before we dive back into the episode, here's a quick word from our sponsors. The Austin Parks Cast is brought to you by ACL Music Festival. Taking place in Soaker Park in Austin, Texas, ACL Fest has generated over $41.6 million for Austin's park system since 2005. Learn more at aclfestival.com. The Austin Parks Cast is also brought to you by Wheatsville Co-op. Wheatsville is a full-service natural foods cooperative grocery store that's been serving Austinites since 1976. Learn more at wheatsville.coop. Thanks so much to our sponsors for making our podcast possible. Let's get back to the episode. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking with Andrea Harrington from the Friends of Little Walnut Creek Greenbelt. Their group is being honored with the Golden Shovel Award for Outstanding Park Team. Thank you for talking with me today, Andrea. Thank you for having me. It is uh, very exciting to be here. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. So, um, I'll just get right into the questions I have for you. Um, first, I just want to know, how long have you been involved at Little Walnut Creek Greenbelt? I have been involved with the park for going on six years. Um, the, our initial involvement as a family um, was the so Friends of Little Walnut Creek Greenbelt is actually the park's committee of the Pecan Springs Springdale Hills Neighborhood Association. Um, that hosted a park cleanup um, probably about seven years ago or so. Um, At that time, my husband took my son to the park cleanup, and I I didn't actually go because my two daughters were toddlers and infants. And so um, he came back and told me about this incredible park that was within walking distance of our house, I had no idea it was there, and I'd been living in this area for over a decade at that point. We just thought it was private land that hadn't been developed yet. Um, And so it piqued my interest, um, and that was when I started to get involved and learned about this 200-acre park in the heart of East Austin um, that had nothing. I mean, just it was a blank slate. That kind of leads me to my next question. Um, what drew you to becoming a steward and advocate for this park space? Sounds like you had a, your interest was piqued with that first sort of introduction to it, but what kind of led you to get more involved? Well, uh, well part of it is, is our, our personal um, lifestyle. Uh, my husband and I, and our, we take our kids hiking. We spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, And so green space has always been a big part of our lives. Um, And and knowing that there was this resource um, here so close to us was really um, both shocking that it was completely undeveloped and there there was no access for the public to be able to use this green space and also really inspiring that there was something that, that was there, that was here in East Austin. So... At that point, I reached out to um, our neighborhood association vice president, Tyson, 
um, who had been the person who spearheaded this first cleanup. Um, we learned about the Austin Parks Foundation Adopt-A-Park program and the Neighborhood Association agreed to form a parks committee, um, which we branded as Friends of Little Walnut Creek Greenbelt and allowed us to move forward and adopt the park um, as, a, as a group. Um, at that point, the committee plunged into the great unknown of City of Austin processes um, to try to figure out how we could make this park accessible to the public. Because um, at that point, there, there wasn't even a sign on the side of the road that identified this land as parkland. So um, we discovered that the land was not zoned for park usage, that there were, there were no, no plans for any kind of park amenities. I mean, there wasn't, there were no trash cans. There were no, there was no signage. There are, there was nothing. Um, there were, there are and were at that time trails back there because people had been using the park for hiking, for running, for mountain biking, but it was all informal. Um, and so we wanted to figure out a way to bring the city's resources um, to transform this park so that you could use it even if you weren't like an expert mountain biker or, um, you know, a really fit trail runner because it wasn't, it wasn't accessible to somebody using a stroller and, and walking with a baby in the stroller and a two-year-old or to an older person who needed a more level place to walk. It just wasn't accessible to a lot of that population. Sure. Yeah, I think that that's, it, this park is such a great example. Um, of what happens or, or the challenges of when, when parkland is um, able to be secured by the parks department, it doesn't always mean that there's any funding attached to it. So they might be able to get some land and that's a really wonderful thing to secure that land as parkland um, and protect it from future development. So we have that green space, but there may not be funding available, city funding available for a long time. And so, um, you know, you really have to, you know, neighborhood groups have to do some advocacy, um, start finding partners to work with. And this is just a really great example of how that happens. There's just not always um, going to be an immediate source of funds or plan for a park space, um, even though it's been purchased. So um, that definitely ties in with my next question, which is, if you can give us just a little bit of history about the vision planning process and how you and your group led that effort. Sure. So we we had no idea, you know, kind of the process that you described. We didn't know that that was a thing. I mean, we just kind of assumed, well, if the city wants to make a park, they make a park. We just didn't have any idea of how the process worked, sure. budgeting process, any of it. So when we initially um, kind of reached out to the parks department and said, hey, you know, what's what's going on with this park? Why can't there be signs and a trailhead and picnic tables and things like that? Um, we were told that it was because there was no master plan or vision plan. And um, so we said, okay, well, number one, what is that? Um, <laughs> and number two, how can we get one? Um, thank you so much, you know? And so we were informed that, so we learned what a vision plan or at that time called a master plan was, which was 
basically a, a larger uh, plan for what the park was going to look like when it was completely and totally done, um, to, to put it in, you know, terms that I understood. And um, we said, great, can, can we get one? And the parks department said, yes, there's a 10-year wait list for that. And we just thought, how, how is that even feasible? I mean, we, you know, we were really stunned. And so we learned a little bit more about what these master plans actually were and the professional services that are required to, to create them. And that was a huge learning process for all of us. Um, so then um, we went and looked for other resources. Um, we found out that if we could get a master plan done, um, it just it needed to be adopted by the city. And there were ways to make that happen without having to wait for the city to get around to it. And because obviously there's a lot of, you know, Austin is fortunate to have a lot of green space, but it does require a lot of work. And so we thought, well, how can we as a community help to make our part happen while working within the, the park system? So we found amazing partners with Austin Parks Foundation, who really um, was our teacher <laughs> in learning how to do this. Um, and so we, we teamed up with APF with the National Park Service, who had a Trails Foundation and a project and with um, Asakura Robinson, who's this amazing um, architecture firm um, and they do outdoor design as well. And they have a community partners program. Um, and so what we were able to do was leverage these partners. Um, they required work from us. I mean, it, it, we had to have skin in the game. So we had to raise money Asakura Robinson provided matching funds in the form of, um, of the landscape architecture services, the planning service, the creating of the plan. Um, so then the parks, the National Park Service provided assistance in doing the community meetings and the, the community participation part, which was required for the city to approve our plan. So it was a, a many-legged stool um, because it, it, we found out very quickly that in doing a master plan for a city-owned park, it can't just be what you and the other kind of uh, neighborhood folks decide you want to see there. You have to have community input from the whole community. And we didn't know how to do that, which is where the Park Service was really instrumental in designing the community input process. Um, in conjunction with the city's um, requirements. This wouldn't have happened without this larger team effort, which is why we're so grateful to all of the organizations and groups that are there to provide that assistance to community members like ourselves who are navigating the system for the first time. Um, the, the master plan or vision plan process took a good year um, with lots of input from the community and I think we were um, really determined because of some of the gentrification issues happening in East Austin to get input, not just from the newer members of our community, but from people who've been here a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't want to just do 
online surveys and email blasts. We wanted to have meetings at community centers like at Givens Park and at the neighborhood elementary schools that would bring people in that are not, um, you know, that are not accessing our communities in, in kind of technological fashion, right? Via emails and, and social media and that kind of stuff. And we had lots of um, information in both Spanish and English because our community has a large Spanish speaking population and we didn't want to miss their input for the park as well. Um, and the result of that was the master plan was completed. Um, we got lots of guidance from APF on how to get that through the parks committee and getting public um, support for the plan um, emailed to the committee members, emailed to the city council. So this all went through um, in, in, from what I'm told in really record time for, um, for how these master plans timelines usually work, which was um, really exciting. And um, now we're in the implementation phase, which is really the part that, that brings excitement to the community because we can show up to our neighborhood association meetings and say, hey, we've got this plan done, but you can't, you can't go visit a piece of paper. You, you know, it's the implementation right. that matters for yeah. us as community members. Yeah, absolutely. People want to see it, see it all happen. Yeah, I think it's, um, you've highlighted some really important points about just how, um, if you're going to, you know, take on something like this, um, you know, just how many partners you need to work with, um, how much learning there is to do, how much, how much there is to navigate. And it's not easy, um, but it's very impressive that y'all were able to do that and how important it is for neighborhoods to advocate for themselves in this way. And just how important it is to get that, that community feedback, that real true uh, community feedback from, you know, and doing it through a lot of different channels, very important. Um, and like you said, people, you know, having a vision plan is a wonderful thing, but it's really, you know, people are going to get most excited when they see things start to happen. So I'm curious, just what are you looking forward to the most as this vision plan is being now implemented? So because our park is a green belt and because of the overwhelming community feedback that we really wanted most of it, it's a huge for a green belt. Um, it's over 200 acres. Um, and, and, and the majority of our feedback was, was that it should remain wild, that there shouldn't be a lot of development. Um, there shouldn't be like ball fields or pools or community centers, that those kinds of developments were not what people wanted in this space. They wanted to maintain the wild feeling of going out into nature. Um, so, the, there is one, and, and part of the reason it's designated a green belt is that it's not really suitable for building because of the topography. It's really hilly, um, and some of those hills are very, very steep. And then we also have the creek, and there's water quality issues that we want to protect the creek and the watershed. So there's one little space that's going to be more developed. Um, and the, the, the theme of the master plan is that the most um, development, the most amenities are on the, the exterior part of the park that faces the street. And then the further you get into the park, the wilder it gets. Um, and that allows 
people who have mobility issues, people who have young children to use the park, um, and then people who want more wild spaces, more challenging hiking, more challenging mountain biking to use the interior of the park um, as well. So uh, for me, the piece of it I'm most excited about, um, because I am the mother of young children, is the the one spot that is going to be the most developed trailhead that is going to exist in the park. And it's going to have nature-based playscapes um, that are going to be um, not the kind of plastic playscapes that you see in schools and at the YMCA that's that's located by the park, but really much more uh, blending in and, and in keeping with the, the theme of this being a wild space um, there. We've already gotten a quarter mile upper walking trail um, completed and we go there. I take my kids there. We get out of the sun and away from the traffic noises. Um, but I am excited to take my kids to play there and to, um, to get into nature and to look at bugs and to listen to birds. Um, so that, that part of it is really exciting. And we're so grateful that um, it looks like construction will be starting on that, um, that play area um, in the summer of 2022. And it's just really incredible. And it's every time I see someone walking um, on our, our new upper trail, it's just really gratifying to see people in the green space, using the green space and enjoying that respite from, you know, kind of our urban lives. Yeah, absolutely. And you're in an area, I mean, this park is in an area with, with quite a lot of uh, very recent growth and development. So having that wild space, it is an interesting um, kind of hybrid park almost because you have that very wild green belt area. And then you do have this opportunity closer to the street, accessible to the neighborhoods um, for play. So that's a really cool and sort of unique thing about the space. Um, I'm also thinking about how, um, you know, just like you have multiple partners with the vision planning process, you also have multiple partners with funding. And so um, we were really uh, happy to be able to work with St. David's and the city to uh, to work on the trailhead, the new the trailhead that's complete now, and um, also continue to work with the city. Um, the city has been able to allocate a significant amount of PLD funding for this project, um, and we've had some um, board designated funds as well. So it takes uh, you know the implementation is also you know very expensive, and so it really requires creativity and working with lots of partners and just kind of figuring out how you can make it all come together um, over time. Um, so just one more question before we wrap up. Um, I'd love for you to, you can offer any words of advice that you might have for neighbors or community members who might like to get involved at their own neighborhood park. Um, I would say to just go for it. Um, when we started, um, we had no idea what we were doing. So don't be afraid to not really understand the process because um, we found that people were really patient with us um, in explaining what needed to be done. The Parks Department, Austin Parks Foundation, um, our city council member's office, everyone was really helpful and patient with us. So don't be afraid that you don't know how to do it. In that, don't let that stop you from getting started um, because people want to help you. Um, people want community involvement in 
um, in these parks and in these projects generally. So that would be the first thing. Um, the second thing would be to, um, to always remember that it, it is, it has to be and should be a community effort. It's not going to go anywhere if it's just one person. Find people who are interested in the park and pull them in to um, to help. Because you know, I think the um, the most exciting uh, milestone for us as a community group in this this entire process was when we realized that whatever happened with us as individuals that this process was going to move forward, that it had grown enough. that It didn't depend on the rotating cast of four or five people who had really been the core of the original group for this, for this park to move forward, which is a great thing because in the interim, um, from our original core group of people, some folks have moved, some folks have had, had, have had children and had to step back a little bit. Some folks We've had some illnesses. We've had all kinds of, you know, life happens and continues to happen. And so when you are able to build a, a, a group and a coalition that is invested in the park, the pressure is off of you personally as a single individual, right, to keep doing all this work. And that, I think, was the most gratifying part was knowing that we had built the snowball was big enough that <laughs> we didn't, we weren't pushing it uphill anymore. It was rolling. And I think that's the goal of any of these groups is to get that snowball to be done pushing it uphill um, so that it can keep going. Um, and that, you know, that, that, that there are a lot of people invested in it and, and, and working towards this goal with you. Um, and so that part, that community building and organizing piece of it, I think is really, is really critical for long-term success because what I didn't know when I started this was that this was a long-term project. Well, I could not agree more. And I think that's really wonderful advice. Um, thank you again so much, Andrea, for joining us today. Um, really appreciate hearing your, the story. I know there's way more to it than we could fit into 30 minutes, but appreciate it. Um, and I know our uh, listeners appreciate hearing this very particular um, example of what a neighborhood group can do. Um, congratulations on being the Golden Shovel Award winner for Party for the Parks 2021. And we're really excited to be able to award you in person very soon. Thank you so much. We're really excited about it. And, um, you know, the Neighborhood Association has put in so much work and committed funds and, and really um, it's, it's been an incredible community building um, experience for all of us. So we're really grateful. Yeah. We're really excited to honor the friends of Little Walnut Creek Greenbelt. So thank you again and we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you so much. The Austin Parks Cast is a production of Austin Parks Foundation and is presented by Cirrus Logic with support from ACL Music Festival and Wheatsville Co-op. Learn more about the work we do to improve parks for every Austinite at austinparks.org. Austin Parks Foundation is a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving parks, trails, and green spaces across our beloved city. 
Our tagline is People Plus Parks. We aim to give every Austinite a park within a 10-minute walk, no matter what part of town they call home. If you'd like to support our work in the parks, text APF to 76278 or visit austinparks.org backslash donate today. With your support, we can provide access to wonderful outdoor spaces for every Austinite. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Austin Parks Cast. A friendly reminder that you can listen to all of our previous episodes on your favorite podcast platforms. Do you have a question or topic you'd like us to talk about? Leave us a voice message on our Anchor FM webpage at anchor.fm backslash Austin Parks We might even play your message on the show. Do you want the latest news from Austin Parks Foundation? Give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's all for today's episode. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to y'all soon.